This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am about to speak to the famous Alan Dershowitz. Every 20 minutes he has a book out. Right now, this week, it's Get Trump, and it's on Amazon. We're going to speak about Donald, but there's so many things I want to ask about Alan Dershowitz because he's been called the most famous lawyer in America, probably in the world. Let me start with the first thing. Do you remember your first case? Oh, yeah. Who, who ever forgets their first lover or their first case? Uh, I do remember my first case with great distinction. It caused a great rift with my family. I defended um, Meyer Kahana in the Jewish Defense League in a murder case, and I won. And my family, who hated Meyer Kahana, and my friends were furious at me. So my career started with a bang, uh, that that first case. The kid who was charged with the murder grew up in my neighborhood in Borough Park in Brooklyn, and he had no money. I defended him free, and I won the case and became a big hero in the— right-wing Jewish community, uh, the Jewish Defense League, but most moderate Jews uh, hated me for defending this uh, violent organization. But that was that was the beginning of my career. Can a lawyer, even one as famous and great as you, can you actually believe all your clients? No, of course not. Of course not. Uh, the vast majority of people charged with crime in America are are guilty of something. You know, thank God for that. Would we want to live in a country where the majority (laughs) of people were innocent? That's Iran, that's China, that's Cuba, but that's not America. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you go to bed at night knowing you are working for somebody who's really a not nice person? Well, I think the same way that a doctor goes to bed at night knowing they've just saved the life of somebody who's going to go out and do terrible things. Um, You have a particular job to do, and it's to support the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution, which requires that everybody get a good defense. You know, you tend to, when you get a case, you find something positive about the person. Maybe it's the person's wife. Maybe it's his children. Um, maybe he was brought up uh, in a difficult way. You try to find something nice and decent. But the one thing you don't ever do is lie to a court. You never say the person is innocent when you know he's guilty. You never put him on the witness stand and allow him to lie. Uh, You challenge the government's evidence. You cross-examine witnesses. You try to suppress evidence that's seized illegally. For example, in the Jewish Defense League case that I mentioned, we discovered that they uh, had a, 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 a wiretap that was illegal, and that was the reason we won the case. But uh, then they had a party celebrating it, and I refused to go to the party. I said, I'm not celebrating. There's a dead woman here, and somebody's responsible. I'll celebrate the Constitution, but I won't celebrate my defendants. So I've defended some of the worst people in the world and some of the best people in the world. It's, it's always a mix. Okay, I got so many questions before we get to everything about Donald that everybody wants to hear from you, but I just can't stop the things I want to ask. Why are all college professors leftists? Well, I would say most are, not all. Um, I mean, I'm somebody who inclines more left than right, uh, but I'm a centrist, basically. 
but most of my colleagues were were people of of the left, some of them of the hard left, some of them of the intolerable hard left, uh, intolerant hard left and intolerable both. Um, I don't know why it is that way, but it is. I mean, I think 90 percent of academics vote Democrat. Uh, that doesn't mean you're a leftist. It means maybe, you know, you don't like the right, but you don't have to be a member of the left. But today, the left is using universities as propaganda vehicles. And, you know, for 50 years, I taught at Harvard. I never, ever expressed a personal view in the classroom. My job was not to teach the students what to think, but how to think. And so I always acted as the devil's advocate and uh, always presented all sides of every question because I didn't want to use my class to propagandize, but too many professors do. Well, that's a very interesting answer. That takes another hour and a half, and we don't have that. But, <laughs> but that's when, when you get a few minutes, we're going to go further. Well, you know, when you look at, though, look at some of the university in New York, uh, City University of New York Law School, the faculty, the entire I know, I know, I know, I know. Votes unanimously to boycott Israel. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand that. That's another hour, and you don't have two hours to give me, but that's another hour. Okay. I, I came up against you a thousand years ago when I was 11 years old, back at Klaus von Bülow. I was on that case, and I was also on OJ. Get me to OJ. Can you tell me? in 10 minutes, why he got off? Yeah, very easy. Uh, we didn't win that case. The prosecution lost the case. They did everything wrong. They put the wrong lawyers on the case. They picked purposely a woman and an African-American, neither of whom was particularly qualified to try a very scientific case involving uh, DNA evidence. Uh, and then they put Furman on the witness stand, and they put an officer named Van Adder who, who planted some evidence. He planted blood because he knew that O.J. Simpson was guilty, but he thought that the real evidence against him, the glove, would be kept out uh, because it was a product of an illegal search and seizure. So Van Adder helped improve the case by taking O.J. Simpson's sock and pouring the blood. caught him. So, you know, we didn't win the case. They lost it. That's very interesting. That's another hour and a half broadcast that we have to do. That's okay. Did you ever believe Weinstein would get where he is today? You know, I met him a long, long time ago. Uh, he asked me to represent him in an early case involving the Motion Picture Association of America, a rating. And so I defended him. I didn't know anything about his personal life or about his uh, uh, sex life. And uh, I was as shocked as everybody else when these allegations uh, came out. Um, I did uh, consult with his legal team, Arthur Idala, who's a great, yeah. great lawyer, yeah. represented him and asked me for some advice and consultation. So I did. I can, I'll consult with anybody on any constitutional <laughs> issue, regardless yeah. of how bad or good the defendant is. And that case is still pending now on, on appeal. Did you ever, in all of your years, because you're the most famous lawyer probably in the world, did you ever screw up 
a case. <laughs> I hope not. I sure hope not. It would. Uh, that's when I would lose really, really not only a night's sleep but a month's sleep. If I ever felt that a person was in jail because of my screw-up, it, it would just be inexcusable to me. I worked so hard to avoid that, and uh, no, I, I don't think I ever screwed up a case. Fortunately, you know, I've had like 35 murder cases, homicide cases, oh, cases God. related oh. to death, life and death. And I've won nearly all of them. And, uh, you know, I've been I've been proud of that. Uh, I, in fact, I have another book that I just came out with called Death, How the Supreme Court Decides Who Lives and Who Dies, How Courts Decide Who Lives and Who Dies. And it deals a lot with the death penalty and and my cases involving the death penalty. It also deals with abortion and with assisted suicide, all the, the the difficult questions of life and death. But, no, I don't think I've ever screwed up a case. Maybe I have, but uh, I'm not aware of it. Okay. So on Wednesday, I get a call from my longtime forever friend, Donald. I don't care about who's voting for who. This is not my issue. I just am someone who is loyal to a friend I've known for a hundred years. Tell me about Donald. <laughs> well, he called me. I remember the first time he called me. I was in, in Chilmark, Massachusetts, and I get a phone call. Hey, Alan, it's Donald. And my first inclination was to say, Donald who? Oh, great. Really it, good. It was, yeah. It was clear from his voice. And, um, you know, he, he wanted me to help him. And uh, I decided, and I was right, that the first impeachment against him was unconstitutional. Remember, the Constitution says you have to commit treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. He wasn't impeached for that. He was impeached because the Congress didn't like the fact that he wasn't cooperative with them. And so we won that case. And it made me so many enemies. Um, I've been banned from the local library. My books were banned in the local library, banned from my local synagogue, banned from my community center. Friends for years wouldn't talk to me. You know, I defended all these other people over the years, even Jeffrey Epstein. That didn't cause any problems. But defending Donald Trump lost half of my friends. Um, do you believe that the charges against Donald are justified, legitimate? Are they all part, or are they all part of a political hit job? Well, a little of both. Uh, there's no question that there's an effort to get Trump. Um, I think York they'll be. A, I think they'll be after him until he's dead. That's what I oh, believe. There's no question about that, or at least until he agrees not to run uh, for president. The New York case is the worst case I've ever seen in 60 years of practicing law. There's nothing to the New York case, nothing under the law, nothing under the facts. Florida case is somewhat stronger because of one thing. You know, there's people I know have this hung in their house, a stuffed fish on a plaque. And the plaque says, I'd still be swimming if I only kept my mouth shut. And that's <laughs> Trump's problem. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 the yeah. biggest issue. Yeah. is he made that statement that's recorded by his own staff in which you hear papers rustling, and he says, I could have declassified this when I was president. I can't now. So that constitutes an admission that he had in his hand a classified piece of paper that he did not declassify. Now, maybe he was puffing. Maybe he didn't have in his hand a piece of paper. Nobody has the paper. It's not an evidence. But that 
is the strongest piece of evidence against him. So it's a combination of uh, get Trump, very weak cases, and this one piece of evidence, perhaps one or two other pieces of evidence. But, you know, if you search hard enough, you can find evidence against anybody. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Everybody stole something, a magazine somewhere at at a newsstand. No, no, absolutely. Everybody lies a little bit anyway. So, but what are exactly the major charges, the actual charge against Donald? Okay, let's start with what's not the charge. Okay. The statute is called the espionage statute, and there's nothing about espionage in the case. Um, There's nothing in the indictment about espionage. Nobody claims that he sold secrets or gave secrets to Putin or anybody else. So it's a classified paper case. And uh, the question is, would you go after a man running for president against the current leader of the Democratic Party by having Republicans indict him on a paper case? You know, it's the whataboutism argument. Well, what about Hillary Clinton? What about uh, Joe Biden? What about uh, Pence? What about uh, uh, some other people who had classified material in their possession? So the question is really a question of equal protection and a question of gotcha. Did they really go after him and finally, finally find something that they can pin on him? That's the. Wouldn't you say that that's the case? I do. I think that's the case. So do I. uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Either that or they'll find he didn't change his socks every morning. It doesn't make any difference. They were going to get him. That's my my particular belief. What can we expect moving forward? I mean, I'm asking childlike questions because no, who the hell knows? Questions. Who the hell knows these answers? Look, the reason you have been so great for so many years as a questioner is you ask the kind of questions that people at home ask in their own mind or their own family or over the dinner table. So your questions are great. Um, I think the New York trial will come first, and I think he'll probably uh, be ultimately acquitted and vindicated in that case. We're not positive. And then we'll see when the Florida case comes. (laughs) The DA, the prosecuting attorney, wants to make the case happen before the election. Um, Trump's people probably want to postpone it until after the election. And that will be the key point. I mean, there's no good time to try this case, because if you try it a year from now, it'll be just before the, you know, the conventions. If you try it um, 14 months from now, it'll be right before the election. Um, If you wait until after the election, it'll become an issue in the election. So, you know, that's why you should... I say have to meet what I call the Richard Nixon standard before you indict a former president who's now running for president again. The Richard Nixon standard is, you know, he bribed witnesses, he destroyed evidence, and Republicans as well as Democrats told him that he had to resign. We don't see that in this case. So I, I think this case does in some way interfere with the election. Okay, I got eight million things more things I want to ask you, but sideways, sideways, sideways. My loathing for Biden, who can't even find the men's room to pee in correctly. How is it possible that with his son Hunter and the rest of the family, this keeps getting slid along and we're all out to kill Donald? Can you explain this to me? 
I can't because it's a denial of equal protection. You know, the case against Hunter Biden is, uh, from everything I've seen, considerably stronger um, than the case against Donald Trump. And yet we haven't seen movement on that case. There's been a special prosecutor appointed. Where is he? There's been a special prosecutor appointed in the Joe Biden case as well. Uh, You know, there's all this evidence out there. I want to know whether it's true. I don't believe allegations that I read about in the press. But, you know, when they say there are tape recordings that prove that the Bidens took money, I don't believe it myself, but I'd like to see what evidence. Why don't you believe it yourself? Why don't you believe it yourself? I believe it. I've known Joe Biden since 1980. I work with him on the Ted Kennedy campaign of 1980. And he just doesn't strike me as a person who would who would do that. But, you know, people, people, you never know what people will do. I want to see the evidence. I want to see the facts. I don't want to jump to conclusions. Everybody should be presumed innocent until there's enough. Oh, I've heard that phrase before. Don't give me that phrase. I know about that phrase. phrase. Why don't people go to the state of Delaware? Why don't they scratch around? There's a great deal to be found when you scratch around Delaware. Oh, I agree with you. Delaware is one of the most corrupt states in the union. Well, so? So? Their judicial system is utterly corrupt. What they do is they appoint judges who then go back to practice and um, favor people who are local. I've had a few cases there. It's it's an outrage. Uh, Delaware is uh, not a state whose justice system can be uh, trusted to do equal justice. So there has to be some sniffing around. I hope there is. And, you know, let's get to the truth on all sides. Nothing, nothing should be kept from the public. That's why Trump's trial should be televised. What do they have to hide? Why don't they want the trial televised? Why not let everybody see all the evidence and make their own judgment instead of reading it through the prism of biased, uh, uh, radical reporters who hate Trump? And you can't get the straight poop about what is actually happening by listening to CNBC or CNN. You have to see it with your own eyes. So I think everybody, whether you're Republican or Democrat, pro-Trump or anti-Trump, ought to be in favor of televising the Trump case. It doesn't matter what they put forward. They'll put forward what they want to put forward, and the public only gets what they want to put forward. What can we expect moving forward, Alan? Well, I think we can expect a series of trials. We know we're going to get at least two of them, one in New York and one in Florida. We may get one in D.C. We may get one in Fulton County, Georgia. And we're going to see the entire election season occupied by uh, trials of a person who's running for president against the incumbent. And that's just not the American way. I am not a Trump supporter politically. I voted against him and I have a constitutional right to vote against him for the third time, just as you have a constitutional right to vote for him or for anyone else. And that right shouldn't be denied by bureaucrats, politicians, prosecutors, judges, or jurors. We should have the right to vote on the economy, on foreign policy, on all the important issues that affect Americans, not on whether classified material was taken home or not. Is it possible? I mean, I know it's possible, but I want to hear your voice. For Donald to run for office while on trial? There's nothing against it? George Washington never wrote anything against it? No, no. Uh, In fact, uh, in the the 19... 
uh, early 20s, somebody ran for president while in prison, Eugene V. Debs, the head of the Socialist Party. And Mayor Curley, I think, served as mayor of Boston while he was in jail. There's nothing in the Constitution that in any way restricts President Trump from running for re-election, no matter what happens in the criminal case. Of course, it may affect whether he gets elected. It's probably these indictments are probably strengthening his position among Republicans to get the, to get the nomination. But we don't know what the impact would be on a general election. Um, if you were still with Donald during this case, yeah. what would you advise him? First, I'd advise him to speak less. To try to get a really good team of lawyers. It's very hard to get a good team of lawyers because there's this group called Project 65, a bunch of McCarthyite, hard left radicals, zealots uh, who have threatened any lawyer who re- represents Trump that they'll file bar complaints against him. And so I offered to defend any lawyer who was subject to Project 65's bar complaint. So what do you think they did? They filed the bar complaint against me. Now, I'm not going to be intimidated by that, but I can tell you lots of lawyers have been intimidated by these threats. And that's the most un-American thing you can do, threaten lawyers and threaten their living if they defend somebody you don't like. But that's what's going on with Project 65. So the first thing I would do is complain about that. Second, I would make a motion not to let the word espionage be used in the courtroom because there's no charges of espionage. But it's a very, very politically loaded word. It reminds you of the Rosenbergs. It reminds you of, you know, people who have actually sold secrets or given secrets to our enemies. None of that is alleged here. So I would do that. And then I would put together the best possible legal team. Um, I wish he would hire Arthur Idala. He would be a great, great lawyer to represent him. Right and now, Idala. Right lawyer. now, Idala has a public relations guy, so his he's in the papers every day. That does not give me confidence about a lawyer who has a PR guy lawyer. every day. Okay, well, so that's something. Well, this yachts does. Guy, but uh, but I, I but I, I think Arthur and Imran and his whole group are very, very first-rate lawyers. They have two judges, two former judges in the firm too. But you know, just. He has to get a first-rate legal team. This is one of the most important cases in the history of our judiciary, you know, since the trial of Aaron Burr in 1800-and-whatever-six. And so I hope that he manages to get the best possible legal team to defend him. You know, when I was brought in to for the Nuremberg, the history of the Nuremberg, many years ago, I was there, and I was told at that time, sitting in that courtroom, that when Hitler first took over the system of law, that was what began everything that happened with the Nazis. So once you fuss with the law, honey, you are really fussing with your life. Is that not so? Well, what's happening to law? What is happening to our justice system? What is happening to our FBI? What is happening to our nonsense Biden, who has also got documents being hidden? Can you tell me that? Well, well, you're right about Nuremberg. You know, my mentor, Telford Taylor, was the chief uh, prosecutor at Nuremberg for a period of time. And uh, Telford and I have discussed um, uh, Nuremberg over and over again. And you're right. 
it was the judge's trial and the lawyer's trial. Yes, one of I the know that. I know that. Because, right. And when we see justice corrupted, we lose our rights under the Constitution. And so we have to have a single standard of justice. You know, Jack Smith said we have one rule of law under for everybody. But that wasn't his job. His job was not to investigate generally who had problems with classified material. His task was to pin it on one person, Donald yes, Trump. He was yes. only assigned to prosecute one person. And if he didn't do it, he would have failed in his job. So I don't like special counsel that are assigned people who have targets on their back. Well, I I I agree with you. And I just don't understand if... If what is happening to my country, I don't understand the FBI. I don't understand the justice system. I don't understand what's unfair about us. I un- don't understand why everybody is out just to kill Donald off. I don't understand that. There must be something either I am very dumb or you can give me an answer. Well, you're very smart and you have asked all the right questions. And it's not me who has to give you the answer. It's the American system of justice that has to give you the answer, because I have some of the same questions that you have. And neither of us are dumb. We're asking the right questions. And we should always ask questions about the criminal justice system, even if it gets us in trouble with some of our friends, as it has in my case, or with bar associations who are now joining with Project 65 in uh, opening investigations. So we have to fight back. I'm going to fight back, even though I'm almost 85 years old. Fortunately, the good Lord has given me enough energy, as he's given you enough energy, to continue to fight back, uh, even in our 80s and 90s. And uh, it's, it's tragedy that we need people like us, who should be just living out our golden years, enjoying our family, that we have to fight back because so many young people are not fighting back. They're joining with the kind of left-wing McCarthyism that has become pervasive in parts of America, particularly academia. Okay. The only problem with Alan Dershowitz is you're so boring to talk to. Uh-huh. That's well, the real thing. <laughs> I, I help people go to sleep. But that, that's good. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you. Thank you, Alan. Thank Thanks you. for Thank talking you. to Keep me. doing the great things. Right. Thanks, honey. Bye. Bye. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.